Has anybody seen anybody drunk before and act up? They said, are they drunk? And so that's kind of where we left it off. But let me explain something to you. There is a difference of being in the spirit and being in the spirit. In the spirit, you're in total self-control. Because the Bible says that the gifts of the spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, meekness, self-control. Always remember self-control. So as we start today, I will start, I think, in verse 16, Acts chapter 2. Turn there if you can. If you don't have a Bible, you want to look on with your, a friend or there's some Bibles under the seats. We just want to kind of diagnose this thing and just kind of just go into it a little bit because it is Resurrection Sunday. And now we have a whole new meaning. Peter, the apostles are filled with the Holy Spirit. They have now come to a place where it's time to make a move. And in Acts 16, 2, it says, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, some people call this the very first gospel preaching. And I like that. And I've always said that. This is where the first gospel preaching came out. Peter stood up, praise God, and began to speak. But I want you to say, I want you to get this today. He didn't just preach. He, he taught. I love it because we're in such a mode now and today in the church, I think in America and across and abroad and uh, attendance is down in most places. The churches seem to don't want to rise up. But I think the reason why is because the teaching is shallow that we didn't get taught enough. A lot of times we want to be moved by something. We want to come give me a word on Sunday morning. Get me something so I can get through next week. And we have this idea that the Christian walk is easy. But it's not. It's hard when you decide to follow Jesus. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And, and so think about it. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit, there were signs and wonders and speaking in tongues. And what did Peter do? Eventually, he just stood up and he said, let's have a Bible study. I like this because after I really saw it, what he did in this message, we always say, Peter preached and 3,000 got saved. How many have heard that? Peter preached and 3,000 got saved. No, Peter just didn't get up and preach. He taught. Watch this now. He taught. The prophet Joel said, that this focus and all that he was on, he went directly to a passage that the Jewish people would know, which would be in Joel. Amen? So the prophet Joel was quoting Joel 2. I mean, um, the, uh, Peter is quoting Joel 2, 28 through 32. Focus on God's promises. He'd pour out the Spirit on the flesh. So what happened in that day of Pentecost, all that's in there. And it talks very heavily about what was going to happen and how it happened. And, and there's all this going on. And so it, it makes sense now. Man, I always used to think that Peter just jumped up, rebuked everybody, and praise God, everybody got convicted and they made a move. But he got up and he taught the Word of God. He taught what the meaning was. He actually taught here and actually flowed into a rim that today we are losing our teaching. The Southern Baptist says this is our doctrine. The full free will Baptist say this is our doctrine. The charismatic Pentecostal said this is our doctrine. The Catholics say this is our doctrine. Episcopals say this is our doctrine. And we have lost our way in America because there's so many different doctrines. We too get confused of what is the truth. But today I'm going to let you know what the truth is and how simple the gospel is. And many times our doctrine gets in the way of that. And it said, the, uh, 
prophet Joel. He quoted it. Why? Because what happened in the day of Pentecost, it was a part of a fulfillment of the promise with a final fulfillment that was coming in the last days. He stands up and says, here, this is what you see. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And, and Peter is declaring this scripture to give the Jewish eyes to be opened. Let me teach you here today. I'm not just going to preach to you. And it talks about the last days. The last days is that they are the times of the Messiah. Understand that there's a Mosaic kind of time frame that goes along with this. There are those that walk with Jesus, talk with Jesus, live that life. And then there are those of us that come along after that and live our lives. So it's both that humbling coming of the Lord, man, when He came humbly and came in this life and lived. He'd already come that way. And then there's going to be a return of His glory. He's lifted up and sits at the right hand of the Father. And then there's going to be another set of things that will happen in the last days. And it'll come to pass before His glory. Also, the last days could mean like a season or a period of time. God's plan for history. God's plan for history came about this day. They're looking and watching. And the first thing Peter does said, let me give you some scripture to back that up. You are in the season of the last days. Say, I live in the season of the last days. Went on to say, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Now this quote really gets it. Because Peter explained all these people that were on looking and saying all these things. That it's, here, you've seen this pouring out. You've seen this whole room of 120. You heard outside the tongues and the different languages going on. He said, back in your day, in my day, the Spirit was dropped on people. Moses got a little piece of it. Elijah got a little drop. Elijah got a drop. It wasn't poured out in those days. He's saying, but what you're seeing and hearing and witnessing is poured out. Come on, church. It's poured forth. He also went on to say that because of that pouring out of the Spirit on all flesh, he was saying here in this quote, and whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Look what he done. He, he showed prophecy and taught the Word, and then he turns around and says, this is why, because this pouring out today is for you, it is for you, it is for everybody on the planet. Jesus has opened this door of salvation. You don't have to earn it in a certain doctrine or a certain way to stand or a certain way to pray. Jesus is that that comes. <laughs> And even while he's saying it, it's many years past or before and it hadn't got here yet. The gospel ain't got to the Gentiles, us yet. Hadn't even got there. So when you're reading that, it's, it's a foretelling of one to come. So whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Say, that's me. That's me. That was weak again. I tell you what, sometimes I think y'all sleeping. But when you look at the Old Testament scriptures and you're thinking about Proverbs 18.10, it says, for the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And the righteous run to it and are safe. So it opens up a whole new can of how this thing operates. The resurrected Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, is now where he's going. 
He gives an introduction, but in 22 now, he opens up and says, now it's time for me to tell you the reason why I told you what I told you. The resurrected Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God, you by miracles, wonders, signs, which God did through him in the midst, as you yourselves also know him, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. You have taken the lawless hands. Taken, you were taken by lawless hands. Ooh. They thought they had power. They had, thought they had a, authority. But Peter calls it out and says, Y'all lawless hands. Hmm. You crucified and put to death whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Amen. That's our Lord. He lives. He lives. Amen. When he said, hear these words, he said, hmm, take heed is what it means. Take heed to these words. He's saying, hear these words, church. And I say to you today, hear these words. You've got a God that lives. He ain't dead. You serve Jesus Christ who did, said, and became everything to you and I what he said he would. Hmm. You know, sometimes we just don't say. We don't say enough. We don't get out there and say enough about our, our religion. Let's just say it. Our religion. Our religion is not a religion at all. It's a relationship. Amen. And a relationship with Jesus has criteria to it. When you're in love with somebody and they love you, you do and say and you tell it. You just tell it. Oh, I love Jesus. When's the last time you just woke up and the first thing you said out of your mouth, instead of, I got to go to work, you said, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for that first breath this morning. Amen. Amen. He also said, as you yourselves also know, Peter refers to these people already knew Jesus. They already knew. They knew what happened. The stories were already told. There was miracles. Amen? There were things that were done. So he used that terminology. As you yourselves also know. I say that to you today. You and us. We know. We know the story. We got the book. <laughs> but many times we don't say or do anything. We come to church, it's Easter, it's the thing to do. You know, the E&C Christians, you know, the ones that come out at Easter and Christmas. And they come, but they don't have any real life with Christ. It's that thing that says, you know, mm. but God is saying, I want you to follow me and walk with me. He went on to say, by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God. I like that. <laughs> Those who rejected him and executed him, they were responsible for his death. And he's up there saying this is predetermined and the foreknowledge of God. No matter what y'all did, how y'all did it, your lawless hands couldn't stop it. That's right. Peter's bold to say, I'm here to testify, praise God. Peter goes on to say, without even flinching, you crucified this man. <laughs> That's bold. You killed him. Peter just heads up and says, you killed him. Mm -hmm. And if you go back to Matthew, you'll find a while back, Peter wasn't that bold at one time. Right. They came to him and said, hey, ain't you one of them Christ followers? He said, no, not me. Mm -mm. No, I'm sure you're the one. No, 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 that's not me. Y'all got me mistaken for somebody else. 
And then now, after the Holy Spirit has come, and now He's fired up. He is bold. He's a dude with power. He is no longer that doubting, cowardice man. He stands up and looks at all of them and says, Y'all killed him. He didn't say, I did too, because I doubted him. No, he was already redeemed, praise God. Y'all killed him. Gosh, that is so bold. Woo, you crucified him, he said. Mm. You know, when you get to the point where you ain't worried about what people say, and you just say it. There are some people that just say too much and they need to be quiet. But I just want to say, sometimes you just got to say it. When it comes to the gospel, when it comes to Christ, we must say it, church. The church is being silenced today in America. They've taken us out of school. They've taken us out of everything. They've taken us out of the judge in the courtrooms. They've taken us. They want to take you out because that name is above every name. That name Jesus offends people. You mean he's the only way to heaven? That can't be true. Because if that's true, I'm in trouble. <laughs> well, it's true. I don't want you to be in trouble. Do I got anybody that loves Jesus this morning? Amen. That's where we got to get back, not being that fanatical Jesus freak. I admit, when I first got saved, I was so radical, I'd turn everybody off. Oh, God, here comes Mitchell. He's going to be preaching that gospel in my face. I was one of those Jesus freaks. My own dad, I'd put things under his pillows and stuff like that. You know, I was preaching to my dad, and that's something... Bad. It's hard to preach to your dad when you're a son. It just don't work too well. You just let God do that and pray. But the, but the tracks and the scriptures and all that, I mean, came to me one day and said, Son, I appreciate what you're doing. I got the first track. I didn't need the other 50. <laughs> and later on in life, he came to God in his own way, in his own time, in his own way. And it goes on to say, it was not possible that Jesus should remain bound to death. Peter explained that 16 Psalms, he explained it in such detail that he laid it out. The next phrase, if you'll underline it, it says, having loosed the pains of death. Having loosed the pains of death. Ooh, I love that. Why? Because that phrase, pains of death, the word pains actually comes from a root word called birth pains. I got any women here that had a birth before? Amen? If you've ever had a birth before, when that baby says it's time to come, there ain't no stopping it. It's coming. Jesus' tomb was his womb. He might want to write that down. His tomb was his womb. He went into a place and the world says, we'll hold that down, we'll pin that up, we'll stop that. I don't care how it is. Had a man one time said, man, I was this close to having my baby born on my birthday. I was trying to hold that thing back just another hour. Good luck with that. <laughs> Jesus, there's no tomb that could have held him. No grave could have stopped him. So... The tomb was a womb for Jesus. Hmm. Death couldn't hold Jesus. Amen? Just like a pregnant woman can't hold that baby back when it's coming. Amen? Because it's coming. He moves on and Peter develops a theme of the resurrected Jesus. He says he moves on to 25. For David says concerning him, 
Here we go, Peter again. He's teaching. He's teaching the Word of God. Now, I've told you what Joel has said. You Jewish people know the Word. Now I'm going to tell you what David said to reaffirm what I am saying. <laughs> Somebody said, David said. You know, when you're using Scripture, Scripture is the only thing you need when you preach it. For David said concerning him, Peter tells us in Psalm 16, 8 through 11, it's very prophetic. It's, it's powerful. So I believe Jesus actually taught Peter this and instructed the disciples somewhere back, probably if you read 24, we've already been through that in the Bible study, 24, Luke 24, 44 uh, and 45. I believe that Jesus had already taught this to Peter. And so now he's declaring it to those. Your Holy One moves on and says, Jesus bore the full wrath of God on the cross. Mm as if he was a guilty sinner. And that, that somehow we somehow put him up there and he's guilty and he's deserving of death. But the Bible said he was made sin for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 Yet the work was an act of holy giving love for us. Aren't you glad he loves us? Aren't you glad that he actually went on and did that very thing? For us. Mm. Jesus took that punishment. He was our Savior. Mm. But what the resurrection proved, <laughs> woo, without the resurrection, there would be no proof that Jesus successfully perfected and paid our sins without the resurrection. That's right. <laughs> All religion. Everybody say says and what we've got, and I don't know about Christianity, it's the craziest thing I ever heard. We have the proof of the resurrection. And as we celebrate that today, never forget that he lives, praise God. Hmm. Move down and it says, You have made known to be the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Woo! You've made known. Then he goes on to say, now David, <laughs> now David is what? David is gone. Amen? He's gone. David is gone. I mean, not David, but, um, did I say David? Yeah, David's dead. He's dead and married. <laughs> he mentions it. David has got a grave. David is buried, and he's not with us anymore. Amen? He had to let them know that there is a reason why, and that means that David had to be writing about who? Jesus. The Messiah. Jesus. He let him know. This Jesus God has raised up. Somebody say raised up. Raised up. Mm, which we are all witnesses. And he speaks that out as witnesses. Jesus of Nazareth, the man that they knew as, you know, they knew of and heard of and seen all these years of all this happening. Hmm. Fulfilled the prophetic plan of Psalms. How did Peter know this? Well, he saw the resurrection. He was proof of the pudding. He finally is bold enough to say, yes, I, walk, I watched it all. I walked with him. I talked with him. And then I watched him die. And then he raised, rose again. And then he ascended on high. The evidence is in the resurrection. Simply. Ooh, the report of a reliable witness. Anybody ever talk about eyewitnesses? I don't know about you, but when you've seen something, praise God, and you tell it, 
And, and that thing gets affectious when you finally a good eyewitness. Go to court. Some people ain't good eyewitnesses. They'll try to destroy your credibility. Amen? Anybody seen Bigfoot this week? No Bigfoot sightings. But Peter was a witness and a strong witness. He poured out of this which you now see and hear. He's encouraging them, saying, this is what you've seen, this is what you hear, this is what the Holy Spirit has done here. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know. He concludes with the summary, simply all of Israel should know that even though the crucified Jesus, God has declared him both Lord and Christ. Lord and Christ. He said, you're all wrong, basically what he said. And in this footnote that I wrote is here that I read. But by the resurrection, God proved that he is Lord and Messiah. When Peter exhorted them, whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Woo, there's little doubt that he was speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Now here we go. This is the part I wanted to get to. I just wanted to kind of reiterate not just Peter's sermon, but his teaching. That he went to the Word of God. Whenever we're dealing with people, go to the Word of God and give them the proof in the pudding. But here's the key. After he said all these things, he quoted from Joel and David, the Psalms. He actually gets to this point and what does it say? Acts 2.37 says what? What's the four first words? Hmm? Alright. And? And? What shall we do? Look at this. Peter's preaching like me right here this morning. And he's preaching. He's finished. And then when he's finished, he didn't go, all right, if there's anybody here that needs to get saved this morning, you need to come to the altar. And you know what you need to do. Uh, just come forward. And do no, he never gave an altar call. The people gave the altar call. The people went, what do we do? He didn't have to tell them anything else. He'd already preached the Word, told them the facts, gave them the history, told them He was an eyewitness, said what you're seeing and you're witnessing here is that Jesus is alive. He's risen from the dead. I ask you today, what do we do? He, they were cut to the heart. Church, I'm afraid the reason why the body of Christ and believers and myself included that I've become lukewarm and not fired up for God in such a way that there's nobody just coming around me going, what should I do? Nobody's coming to me asking me, what do I do, preacher? What do I do? Is anybody coming to you saying, what do I do? Do you know there's a hurting world out there? I was on my porch yesterday and a, a couple came by, a mother and a daughter. And I married this one girl, the daughter, 21 years ago. And they were talking, Mindy and the mother was talking so long that the girl said, can I use your bathroom? I can use your bathroom. Went to the bathroom. She comes out. And I said, how you been doing? And I hugged her. And she just started crying. It's awful. Life is awful. And went on and poured her heart and soul out. And this is somebody I married 21 years ago. There's a hurting world out there, church. 
And if we do it right in a nice way, in a good way, in a loving way, if we just keep staying to the Word, I cannot stand people just to say, you need to get saved or you're going to hell. What in the world kind of preaching is that? The world that's going to hell already knows they're going to hell. You don't need to tell them. And the signs that just say Jesus saves. Lord, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I don't like that one either. What does that mean? We must intelligently tell them the scriptures of the Word of God, show them prophetically from Genesis to Revelation that the story is true and that they can take it on their own and digest that information and go, okay, then what do I do? What do I do? You see what I'm saying? So the, the Bible says they were cut to their heart for the information that they received, that preaching and teaching, preaching and teaching. And I've been at fault at this. I love to preach, praise God. Just give me one scripture and I'll just preach. May not even be biblical, but I'm going to preach. <laughs> Sounds good. Come on, we're all guilty of it. We make things up, say things. I hear people saying all the time, well, the Lord won't put on me more than I can handle. That ain't scripture. The Bible says the Lord will not put on you more than you're tempted. More than tempted. I'm on you can handle. But we just take one or two words out of scripture. This morning while you're here on Resurrection Sunday, all I want to ring into you today is are you cut to heart? Are you cut to the heart of this man that you call Jesus? This man you love, the one that you say has saved your soul. And if you're not, is this the way it is? Has it cut your heart to say, what do you want me to do? I don't know mind saying I'm, I've been a little lukewarm lately. Is that okay for me to be honest? Amen. Have I been fired up? No. But the very one that died on the cross, Bobby just lost my, our aunt. And he's here this morning in church, praise God, to let the world know he still loves Jesus. And even Jesus, Bobby, couldn't stop his death. And everything has a reason. But I just want you to know this morning, I wanted to get to that place to let you know as Christians, let's get a little bit more into the Word so we can explain to the Muslims, explain to to Eastern religions, explains to anyone who's hearing the gospel that it ain't something goofy we learn, some charismatic movement thing, something that's shallow. But why can't we do what Peter did and just stay in the Word? Go to the story. The story is the test of time from Genesis to Revelation. Regardless of how we feel today, can we say today and leave here and go, Lord, what shall I do? What shall I do today? I'm cut to the heart. Sometimes I say this, I'd rather for you to be cut in your heart every day reading your Bible by yourself than to come to church once a month and get cut to the heart. Because if you cut to your heart every day in that word, then you too will be more powerful than ever. It hurts. If you've lied this week, you've sinned. If you're in adultery, you're in sin. Fornication. Hey, gossip, slander. We can go down the list of all kind of stuff that's out there. And we've all got something that we're guilty of this morning. 
But can we just say I've been cut to the heart this morning? That I want that Jesus that I've kind of just kind of went lack of days ago. Can I, can I say, God, I'm cut to the heart this morning. What can I do? What can you do?